folks, it's Sunday and we're talking all things sport, which can mean only one thing. It's a Sunday sports wrap. Welcome to this week's show and thanks for joining us for another week. I'm Lisa Johns and with me is the man behind the barbecue, Stuart Maurice. Good morning. Hello. How are you? I'm tired. You're all snagged out. Yes, I had a long day yesterday barbecuing and Washing up and then going home and washing up my own dishes, Lisa. Thank you very much. <laughs> he looks a solid three out of ten at the moment, doesn't he, Lisa? <laughs> he looks pretty poorly. <laughs> and to think he's got three more days of sausage and chicken burgers ahead of him. Yeehaw, budgerie <laughs> If you're not sure what we're talking about, stick with us. And another regular of our hallowed turf at Hurstville Oval, <laughs> Hamish Solomons. Good morning. Good morning, Lisa. How are you? Oh, I'm not too bad and happy 50th birthday to Mill Simone, who I helped last night celebrate, All right. if you know what I mean. Okay. <laughs> so you're both a little dusty today. Yeah, it's all yours. We're going to sleep. You've, yep. got, you've got sausage-itis and you've got 50th <sighs> birthday. Yeah. Loogies. All good. All good. Excellent. Well, speaking of Hurstville Oval, the most closely watched Sheffield Shield this season is underway at the ground, and we will run through all those scores and the scores of the other games, of course. And we have a special guest this morning. We're going to interview former Test Quick Stuart Clark to talk Sheffield Shield and speculate with us about the ashes mm. that are coming up. I love Stuart Clark when I when I was watching him on, on the TV. Bowler to bowler, I just really liked him. He's a hard-working bowler. Good, honest cricketer. Yep. yep. And, um, you know, he's become a bit of a media personality. And to be truthful, he's, uh, he's quite up there in the rugby league world these days too. Yeah, I didn't know that. Mm. I was doing a little bit of research last night. And yeah. I see that he's working with the NRL now. He's an interesting guy and very good to talk to. Two degrees, law and commerce, so he's probably too smart to be a cricketer. <laughs> he's too smart to be a rugby league player. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe they need all the help they can get. Well, we'll continue to keep you up to date with the Aussie tilt at the Rugby World Cup, as well as the women's ashes. And we've got a bit of our special news segment where we venture off the beaten track to find some good news in the not-so-widely-reported sports. So start the clock. It's game on. It's time for special news. Well, it is special news time. I love special news because we quite often spend our time talking about cricket, which is not a bad thing, and rugby league and AFL, and we we don't pay too much attention to some of the other sports. And so during the week, a few things caught my eye. So I'm going to kick us off with a bit of special news. Remember the name Trevor Hendy? Yeah. I loved, look, I love many sports, but as a kid, I often sat on the couch on on the weekends and watched Trevor Hendy, and I thought he was fantastic, the Iron Man. Well, two decades after Trevor Hendy last claimed his Iron Man win, his son TJ Hendy has won his first race. I love a good family story. Can you guess what TJ stands for? Terribly jaunty. (laughs) Trevor Jr. Trevor Jr., yeah. So TJ is 22 years old and he was a bit of a late bloomer. He only started to take on Ironman racing when he was 17. Um, And Trevor Hendy, he last won his professional Ironman title in 1997 when TJ was just two years old. So TJ's come out and he has won the opening round of the Ironman. Wowza. How fantastic is that? He says that his best memory of his of his dad was actually when they won the Australian Board Rescue title two years ago, and his dad's been his role model ever since. So um, it's been fantastic. Now, there is a name that is in Australia synonymous with the sport. Oh, absolutely. 1980s, 1990s, Trevor Hendy. Him and Grant Kenny. Yeah, so I thought, oh, wasn't well, that really that good? That is a good, that is a good feel. So we should, we should do. I think we did something recently, didn't we? But father you know, sons, not yeah. just father, we father, all, we did that for children, uh, Father's families, Day, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we did. Or Mother's Day, yeah, Mother's Day. I love good family sporting stories. It was good to see the Hendy name back up there in yep. the budgie smugglers. <laughs> 
So have you, did you have a chance, did you Google him or? No, I haven't had a look yet. Google images, just sort of check him out. See, see how whether he looks like dad. He do, oh, actually, there was a photo in the paper yeah. on the board and from a disc. Yeah, yeah right. looks a yeah. bit like dad. Yeah. Special news from a special, special man. Yes, I've been a little bit busy, but I did notice something last night, actually in a mainstream sport though, but the Samoa Tonga match last night. Here we have, and I'm very against the Rugby League World Cup because I think it's a joke, but here we have two teams that actually made up of people that come from that country and the passion that was out there last night with the crowd. The crowd were on their feet, waving flags and cheering for 80 minutes straight. Waikato Stadium, I think they were playing at, was jam-packed. Yeah, and... Like nobody sat down, they just cheered and cheered and cheered. The game was played in a brilliant spirit. There was about eighteen thousand people there, and I can tell you, there's about eighteen thousand flags as yeah. well. Mm. And yeah, this is what that rugby league World Cup's all about—not people with uh, who can point to the hemisphere of where somebody of a country is and then become eligible for it. Yeah, <laughs> these are actually people that come from that country, and it goes to show exactly how many Pacific Islanders. Live in New Zealand. Yeah, I didn't realise that either. Yeah, well, that's a that's a problem. I think with with the sport in both rugby union and rugby league is that Australia and New Zealand steal all the players from those countries and yeah. uh, and stop them becoming a, a world power. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, well done, Samoa and Tonga. It was fantastic. Ex- excellent stuff. Well done, supporters. Have a look at the get online and have a look at their war dance beforehand because they the, both did it simultaneously. It was spine tingling. Yeah, absolutely great. amazing. It's kind of funny because I was at my cousin's place watching that, and he's a Kiwi. Uh-huh. He was so. They sort of did their war dance, and then they all came together in that big circle because there had been issues at airports and stuff like that with the Tongans and Samoan supporters actually fighting. All right. There had been fights at the airport. Oh, dear. And, well, my cousins were sort of saying, well, they're all New Zealanders. You know, they were all trying to claim them. And when they came together in that big circle, I said, well, they're about to do the New Zealand national anthem. Kind of <laughs> like that. But that was, honestly, that was, that's how you do a war dance. Yeah. That was awesome spine tingling. Yeah. And at the end of it, they, they sort of smiled at each other because, I mean, that's yeah. what it's about. But I think they had to show solidarity because of all the issues they've mm. had leading up into it. It's quite amazing. Oh, that's why I love sport. Yeah. Breaks down many a barrier. And just quietly, Tonga. They're looking good, aren't they? Mm. Uh, so I s- yeah, I can't, I can't say anything until they play New Zealand or Australia. But do you still th- think it's a little bit hard to digest with the likes of Jennings yeah. lining up for Tonga as opposed to Australia? Yep. Who he's already represented. And- yep. I, I, if you represent one country, that's it yeah. for me. Yep. Anyway. We'll talk about the uh, Rugby League World Cup in just a minute. Haim, yep. your special news? This will probably be no surprise as the topic I'm on is still cricket. Yes. But I'm going to talk about veterans cricket. Um, as you may remember, last week was my father's 70th birthday party. Good on you, Harry. He actually doesn't turn 70 for a few more days, but he had to do it because this weekend he's off to Canberra for the National Over-70s Cricket Tournament. He's not oh, 70 wow. yet. Hmm? He's not 70 yet. Ah, now. <laughs> you got to turn 70 There's the, the date. There's a cut-off date. You know, start, you know September yeah. September 1st. So if you, so he qualifies now for being an over 70s For the old boys. Now, I'm led to believe that veterans cricket is the fastest growing, I guess in numbers-wise, form of cricket in Australia, wow, more than juniors and stuff, which is great news. You know, we're talking about guys coming back to the mm. game and playing. And I think from a fitness point of view, I look at my dad, like he trains quite hard for all this now. Mm. And um, it's great to hear that you've got guys, um, there's over 40s, over 50s, over 60s, over 70s, that they're Woo-hoo. playing these tournaments and they're actually, so Harry's off to represent um, one of two New South Wales teams Good and they him. pick an Australian team. Awesome. And they'll go and play England over 70s and stuff. And they do that for the other age groups as well. So how good is that? So good luck to the old fella. Yeah, good, good luck. luck to the two New South Wales teams. Hope you, hopefully they can come home mm. with a They need a to play on a, on a bigger field so they can fit all the walking frames on. <laughs> well, that's what, in conversation, you'd, you'd want a few physios around and oh, probably yeah. a few paramedics too, just quietly. <laughs> uh, Clear. <laughs> but 
you know, they're keeping themselves fit. Yeah, so, good on them. Yeah, it's... Stewie, there's there's a chance for you, buddy. I'm back. Look there's out. Well, look, cricket. Over 60s. If it's in your blood, there's no cure. No. Yeah. He's, those he's still a tragic. He, he last week, in the last couple of weeks in preparation, was come and see me. Hamish, can we have a hit? I'm like, oh, jeez. I used to hunt. I, I used to hound him <laughs> yeah. to give me practice, and now he's hounding me. I did see footage of you feeding the ball machine to the mm. old man. He's a moraider. Yeah, he did. Yeah, old fella. Whiz down and throw a few maliggies at him. Mm, mystery balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of mystery balls, congratulations to the Houston Astros who have won their first Major League Baseball crown since they first started in 1962 during the week. The Astros. The Astros. Mm. Defeated the LA Dodgers. Heard of the Dodgers, never heard of the Astros. Isn't that George Jetson's exactly. dog? Exactly, see? Yeah. Astro. <laughs> His boy, Astro. Elroy. Is, no, Elroy's the son. Yeah, Astro's the dog. Yeah. yeah. They won four games to three. Very tight um, World Series final. So they're the champs. Yeah, yeah Major the League whole baseball. world. Houston. Houston, we have, have some money. not got a problem. Well, Australia are two from two from the Rugby League World Cup, defeating France 52 to six on Friday night. Ten tries to Australia, just the one to France. Wade Graham, four tries. Cameron Munster, two. Josh Dugan, Tyson Frizzell, Billy Slater and Valentine Holmes all went over the paint as well. A late withdrawal from James Maloney. Cam Munster moved from the bench to start as halfback. Valentine Holmes was added to the bench. He didn't get much game time either, did he? Oh, he still scored a meat pie at the end. Oh, you could have scored one. (laughs) Yeah, not much competition from poor old France. Australia dominated, but they still looked a little bit rusty, I felt. Oh, well, it wasn't the gun side, Australia. Yeah. Well, that's, the, that's the thing that sort of gets me about this tournament is we're playing these games and there's fear of, you know, if you play your full-strength team, A, it becomes embarrassing, and B, you know, you're worried about injuries and stuff like that. So oh, it's, it's difficult. To, I, mean, I, I, I must admit, I, I love my footy. I found it hard to watch. Uh, you know, like they really need to just uh, get all those pretend teams that they've got Yep. Have a little tournament amongst those. Yeah, and exactly. The best couple of those come and play England, England, Australia, and New Zealand. But how are they ever going and to Tonga. improve? Well, they can play against each other. It's a joke. Yeah, but and, and they're not even. Look, you can't improve unless you play Mitch, against Mitchell Moses. Is playing for Lebanon. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a break. Uh, <laughs> you got all these other players. Uh, they got nothing. It's Pettyborn playing for the USA. Look, you know? it's a, it's a, it's a joke. <laughs> I, I haven't spent my entire week sitting on Ancestry.com, so I'm not going to speculate on people's backgrounds and, and the link, the tenuous links to the country. Well, not tenuous. Like, you shouldn't be able to play for a country unless you're born in it. Anyway, we, we, we move on. Back to the game. <laughs> it was a bit too quick for the French, wasn't it? The, but I, look, credit to their defensive effort. That initially, they they held the Aussies out for a while, but you know then they just ran out of gas and the scoreline blew out. Forty-four missed tackles from the French. It's um hard to win a game with that many turnstiles out there. I don't understand why they just don't try and get some of the rugby blokes. <laughs> Actually, but the French play. There's a they have a team in the in the English competition, don't they? Yeah, Catalans. Mm. They, they do play. They, actually, they were. They did play Australia in the final of a World Cup back in the late 70s at the SCG. Oh, I remember they used to be quite, quite yeah. big in rugby league. Yeah, they, actually, they actually beat Australia um, after, a, after an Ashes tour many, many years ago as well. Mm. Australia went through England undefeated, went to France and got beat by France on the way home. I think they were all drunk at the time. But <laughs> One can only assume. Any standouts from the game for you? For me, I thought Tyson Brazil was exceptional with his hit-ups and, yeah. well... I mean, Wade Graham ran really he'd, good he'd, lines. He'd, he'd, have to, he'd have to get a mention. Yeah, he'd have to get a mention. Well, if he he the, was rewarded. Did he, did he score the first three? Yep. Wade Graham. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he had a hat trick before half time. Not a bad call. Yeah. Any standouts? I actually, I thought there was a, a stand down in uh, Tommy Turbo. I thought he had All an right. absolute shocker. Right. He, he went missing. Uh, big opportunity. On the wing. Big opportunity against him, and he, he did absolutely nothing. Uh, quite surprising, actually. Billy Slater dro- absolutely dropped uh, the ball stone cold yeah. over the line for yeah, a so dead set he, try. So he got the man in the match then, did he? I don't know who got, got man in the match. he got it for his 40-20. Oh, yeah. Oh, was interesting. It was a 40-20. Yeah, I saw that. Which was interesting. You know, yeah. often see Billy I got the ball, well, I'll just kick it. 
I went over the sideline. Woohoo! And Cameron Smith, he's broken the record for breaking records, hasn't he? Oh. Yeah. Didn't he, didn't he pass another, another record. Milestone? Yep. He surpassed Clive Churchill's record for the most <coughs> consecutive Test matches at 36. Is there any more records for him to break? I don't think so. Unless he comes around to my place and breaks all mine. Unless he keeps playing until he's, I don't know, how old's the oldest player in the. <laughs> We've got a few records hanging on the wall that he could break. <laughs> 1970s mast classics. Yeah, well, another record for Cam Smith is not real. no real surprise. It's been a, a year of records for him, hasn't it? Oh, like every game that he's played in the last three or four, there's been some sort of record that he's been, yeah. including refing records. Look, he's a, yeah. as much as you love to hate him because he plays for the Melbourne Storm. I love him at the moment because he's wearing an Aussie jersey. He, he's, a, he's a terrific player. He's grown on I'm, me. I'm, I'm a. I like. I don't like his management skills on of the referees. Yeah. I, that could. But that's all of them. Do that's away every, with that. That's every captain in the NRL. Yeah, I'm a bit of a. Yeah, fan. But, yeah, some do it better than the others. Like you watched Farrell last night in that game. Oh, he and, was annoying. Yeah, it's just whinging and moaning and whinging and moaning. Yeah. Where Smith, Smith, just coaxes them into where they wants them to go. Yeah, yeah. Look, it, it happens in most sports. It happens yeah. in cricket. You, you you put enough pressure on the umpire. You eventually oh, yeah. get an LB. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, it's yeah. it's just it's a part of sport, but I, I mean I don't like it. Um, but yeah, anyway. Well, congratulations to Cameron away. Smith. Some of the other games we mentioned a little while ago, the Samoan Tonga game was just filled with so much passion and emotion. It was fantastic to watch, even and just listen to the crowd singing. And England and Lebanon played last night. There's a bit of controversy come out of that game. Yeah, yeah. we said there was uh, some interesting uh, aspects to that game and one was another biting charge. Aren't they feeding these guys? <laughs> That's the second one. Uh, McGillivray thought he was a Lebanese pizza. So. In this <laughs> second, second biting allegation of this tournament. So well, and the TV showed that he actually did bite him. Oh, there's mm. a, yeah. What happened to the PNG guy? Did he... Did he Get I'm in not trouble. Sure. I didn't, just ended up with indigestion. Didn't I didn't follow up that story, so I can't yeah. tell you that. It's yeah. a bit of a, a worry. It's not a good look for the game. No, you know, we, they're, they're trying to two weeks and two biting allegations. Well, one one we could see plain as day with these with these teams trying to grow the the sport internationally, and you know new new people coming to the game to watch, seeing rugby league players bite each other. That yeah. English Lebanon game. The referee was just, he'd lost control of that well, match. It was absolutely it, shocking. It baffled me as to why they'd put an English referee on that game. Why wouldn't yeah. they put an Australian referee exactly. on it? Exactly. Yeah. As much as our referees are awful. Because all the Lebanese players are from Australia. It wouldn't be fair. <laughs> True point. Uh-oh. Well, then put an Irish guy on there, something. <laughs> a New Zealand guy. There you go, put him on. Yeah. Anyway, we've got three games today. Papua New Guinea take on Ireland, Italy against the United States and Fiji up against Wales. Should we, should we try our hand at tipping some of those games? Who's going to win the uh, Italy-USA game? Italy. Italy. Papua New Guinea will defeat is Ireland Tede- and Fiji will defeat Wales. Now, a question I have about the Italy game, is Tedesco playing? Is he doing the HIA thing? <laughs> A bit more controversy during the week. Going on the test, just oh, yeah. that is typical <laughs> Italian the Italians stuff. punching each other. <laughs> Except the guy that whacked Tedesco's got a Europe, um, uh, got a Aussie surname. <laughs> yeah. You can have it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. Tedesco got told to get two flat whites. He come back with cappuccinos. What do you expect? <laughs> I believe, I believe, if you're referring to the flat whites, it was a female that they were fighting over. <laughs> but anyway, why not? Oh, it's a circus. Better than, fighting, better than fighting over a male. Just think we've got a few more weeks of this Rugby League World Cup to go. A few more weeks. There's got to be like another month or so, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, we, month that, is weeks. That's the thing with these sort of games. You only play one game a week. Yeah. So it takes ages to get through it all. Yeah. Cricket, you can play three games a week. Soccer, you can play three games a week. I think they week. should toughen up. Take a dose of cement, harden up and play two games a week. Get it over and done with. Who will be the final four besides the big three? Who's going to make up that fourth team? You mean Australia, New Zealand, England? Yes, who will be uh, the fourth Tonga. team? It's got to be. I'd say so at the moment, yeah. But I still think, I still think uh, uh, Tonga have a, a big, fast side, yep. but I have doubts about their ability to tackle against the good sides. Well, keep watching, guys, because as we said, the Rugby League World Cup has got about a month or so to go, so plenty more shall happen. And a few. Oh, that is magnificent. The captain herself. 
has moved and dived and caught it in a left. Well, the women's Ashes is on in earnest and Australia lead four points to two over England after England won the third ODI at Coffs Harbour last Sunday. The Test match commences on Thursday at North Sydney Oval with four points on the line for a winner. Australia are no doubt out for the win and total bragging rights. If Australia win, they retain the Ashes. But uh, obviously they want to win a few more games with three T20s to go. There are two tour matches underway at the moment. Australia versus the ACT Invitational 11 and England against the Cricket Australia 11. Both day-nighters, three-day games. A few, um, a few big scores, but uh, it's been interesting to watch Beth Mooney posted 118 on Friday. At least Perry 58 for Australia. Hayley Jensen, who's playing for the ACT Invitational 11, I believe she plays for the Renegades, 5 for 26. Mm. That's putting your name up there, isn't it? Yeah, but she won't get in. Oh, no, she won't, she won't get in. But yeah, a future player well, she there. She may get in in a year or two. Yeah, exactly. You've got to put your name up there at some point. In reply, the ACT was seven declared for 290 to Australia's eight declared for 272. Angela Reeks, 103 not out. Ooh. She's still around. She's still around. Marizam Cap, who actually is playing for South the Africa. ACT. She's South African, playing yeah. for the ACT Meteors. 61 not out. And then Australia have come back yesterday and replied two for 200, sorry, two for 126. And Elise Villani, 48 not out. And Nicole Bolton, 38. That's played at Marnica. England are taking on the Cricket Australia 11. England posted on day one, 231, Lauren Winfield, 82. Sophie Molyneux, 3 for 27. And Lauren Smith, 3 for 18. In reply, Cricket Australia 11, 271. Naomi Stalenberg, 114. Mm. So it's a couple of names being put up there. And Catherine Brunt, 4 for 37. That game continues. But let's kind of forecast forward to, to Thursday, the test match that will start, and speculating the test lineup. I kind of get the feeling that Healy's going to be dropped to the traditional keeper's batting position down the order, and Beth Mooney, I hope, will come in to open with Bolton and, and give that build that steady foundation that I think you need in a who's test going, match. Who's going out? Who's dropping out? Oh, I'm not really sure. So this would be my team. My team would be Beth Mooney. Nicole Bolton opening. I would bring Haynes and Blackwell above Elise Perry. I have a question mark about whether we keep Villani in the side. And well, better because you've written a song for her. <laughs> She's in part of the song. <laughs> and then Alyssa Healy. Ash Gardner. I think Ash Gardner will likely become the second Indigenous female test player for Australia mm. behind Faith Thomas. Faith is still around, 84 years of age. Wouldn't that be a nice baggy green presentation? That would. I think they were photographed together Mm. um, earlier when Ash made her other debut. Yeah, that would be nice. So Ash is sitting around there now... You gotta have faith. <laughs> Very funny. So I have, joke. and I'd bring, as speaking of Ash Gardner, I'd bring her in. Jess Jonathan, Megan Schutt, and Amanda Jade Wellington. I I just don't know whether we need that many batters and whether we could exchange one for a bowler like Cheadle or Vakawera. Although having said that, I'm not sure that either of those bowlers have that much experience. Mm. And they've got to bowl a lot of overs. And they've got a bottle of bowl of overs. And, and Lauren Cheadle's only bowled seven overs since coming back from the injury in a WNCL game. And I just not, you know, you can bowl in the nets, but it's just yeah. not the same as bowling. And there. the sports science is only that let them bowl three balls a day or something. Yeah, so there's that work- <laughs> workload yeah. issue there. Interesting to see Gavin Robertson unleashed. all that sort of stuff during the week you know what I like about that batting order what's that it reminds me and this is we're talking about the uh, Elise uh, sorry the the Healy situation yeah is it reminds me a bit like Gilchrist coming Mm. down the order for Mm. the Australian team like obviously Mm. in the one days he would open that's right moved up and then just when you thought you're getting somewhere in a test match yeah out comes at number seven Adam Gilchrist yeah puts you to the sword it could be a very similar situation yeah. for Australia. Well, there. just hopefully the lower order can um, get their heads together and manage to play test cricket mm. and not not go into fifty over mode. Well, let's hope that that's the case because you know if that's the case, Australia really bat 
all the way down to number nine. Yeah, because you've got Gardner coming in after that. Gardner, Jess Jonathan, yeah. who... I have my doubts that Gardner will get a run. Really? Yeah. You don't think that she'll be in the test team? No. Who's going to be in your test team? I don't know, but I don't think they'll, they'll use uh, Beams and... Do you think and so? Jonathan and uh, I just... I just... I think they see her as a, as a one-day 2020 player. So how many spinners have you got in your team there? I've, well, we've got Wellington. He, yeah. She's the leggy. I've got Ash Gardner. Jess Jonathan can spin it. Mm. So there's three spinners. We've also Megan Schutt. It's a seamer. And um, Elise Perry, obviously, being a seamer. So that's why I'm wondering yeah. whether we need another I one. I think there needs to be one more pace bowler so for if, balance. For me, yeah. either Valani or potentially Jess Jonathan comes out. Which has been interesting with the the makeup of these tour matches because yep. some of the Australians are playing for the ACT Invitational and some are playing for Australia. And so it was interesting to see who they've put up against each other and I, I'd suggest that you know, maybe Jess Jonathan and... Um, well, if they had any brains, they'd all kind of vying for a spot. They knew spot. what they were talking about. They'd play Sarah Ailey. Preaching to the choir. Pre- mm. Absolutely preaching to the choir. Yeah. But, you know, Australia are missing that workhorse bowler yep. in their squad that they're not going to be able to pick from, and I think it's going to bite them in the bottom. Yep. If England, if an England pairing can come out and form a really solid partnership, one or two solid partnerships, I don't think Australia are going to be able to know, to know what to do or, or to break it. And sometimes you just need to get through that rough patch when, when a team's on top and you just kind of need to chip away at it, line and length, line and length, line and length, and not get too worried about it. With these younger bowlers like the Cheadle and the Vakawera, I'm just not sure they have that experience to be able to get through a rough yeah. patch like that. There's the magic word, experience. And yeah. I think test cricket being test cricket, I think one of the keys is to be able to be mentally tough enough to play five yeah. days or four days. Yeah, of for sure. That's, you need the Renee Farrell or the Cirelli. Yeah. Yeah, which oh, I, I'm worried. I'm worried. If you ask me who's going to win this test match, I'm going to say England's just ahead. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, with you there, actually. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. How long will it go? Four, oh. That's the interesting one. Pink ball. Yeah, yeah. Night pink times. ball, day-nighter. Yeah. It's scheduled for four days. Uh, mm, yeah. Three, maybe. Three well, hopefully it lasts two. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to day two. We are going to day so two. How are you two going with all your plans there? How are you oh, going I'm, with your outfits and stuff? <laughs> Lisa, you've been writing some songs? I have, yeah. So for those who haven't been listening to previous shows, uh, Stu and I, not sure about Hamish, unlikely starter, but we are heading out on day two to join the Richies uh, fan, fan squad. And I've written them a couple of songs. Actually, wrote them two new songs on Friday when an email came around and said we don't have a song for this player, this player, this player. And I thought, well, I looked at one of the names. I won't tell you who. But I went, well, she won't be getting a start, so I'm not going to write a song for her. <laughs> so I wrote a song for a couple of the others. But yeah, so we'll be going out on day two. I've got my bone ivory beige mm. jacket. Yeah, I've got bone some. ivory beige. Well, I don't know which one it is. Yeah. I've got it's actually pull pick one. Uh, probably a bit more cream. Yeah, mine's mm. a bit brownish. Brownish, yeah. It, uh, it's very tight. Bought it on light, eBay. Light tan? Yeah. Light mm. tan, yeah. Did mm. he ever go the light tan? I, I don't know. I've, I've showed it to um, the leader of the Richies. He said. Yeah. He was uh, happy? He said, it passes. It the passes. leader of the Richies. The leader of the Richies. I once saw Richie Benno in the 80s on one of those replays that they play in blue. <gasps> blue. Controversial. In blue. Sacre I'm surprised bleu. they haven't like gotten rid of that footage. I, I reckon someone at Channel 9 got the sack that. <laughs> by showing yeah. that. Well, the test match begins on Thursday the 9th at 2.30pm at North Sydney Oval. Stu and I will be out there on day two. So, look, if, you, if you're looking for something to do Thursday, Friday, Saturday or Sunday... You can't spend a better day than a day at the cricket. So, yeah. And if you're watching it on TV, you'll see me and Lisa there sitting amongst the Richies and I won't need a wig. <laughs> yeah, you will. You need, you need a bit more volume. It's a bit thin. You need a bit more yeah, because, volume. Because, I mean, the whole Richie Benno thing was his hairstyle. Now, yeah, he, kind of the bowl haircut. And, and just that sort of shape. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's He's a beautiful sweet, man. The sweet. I miss him. You miss him. I miss him. We miss him. Bowled him. Beautiful delivery. A little bit of a lazy shot, that one. Didn't get the full stride in. And Stuart Clark has got his third. This has been marvellous stuff from Stuart Clark. 
Well, it's that time of year when the nation's favourite pastime is speculating who will line up in the baggy green when the first test match gets underway at the Gabba. Joining us to help with our speculation this morning is none other than former Aussie Test Quick, Stuart Clark. Good morning, Stu. Morning, how are you? We're very well. Welcome to the Sunday Sports Wrap. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, it's been a little bit of a long time coming, this. I think there's been a few people that... Uh, <laughs> You know, and that, uh, and obviously Hamish been asking me to, and um, it's, over, it's never ever fitted in because of junior cricket and stuff like that. But I'm in the car on my way to junior cricket, so I'm happy to chat. Oh, geez, are you going to play? It's a bit rainy out there. No, it's horrible. So I don't know. It's uh, we'll go and have a look, and we'll see what happens. But it isn't looking promising. I know that. Uh, it's a good opportunity for you to start teaching Lockie about one of the the dodgier aspects of cricket, and that's going and waiting and waiting and waiting. <laughs> Might be a good opportunity to teach him some cards. I was about to say, play cards. <laughs> One of the reasons that you stop playing, Hamish, is that what you're saying? Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, we're all cricket tragics in here, Stu, so we're feeling like kids at Christmas at the moment with the Sheffield Shield and the first Test match just 18 days away. Do you still get excited at this time of year? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think any cricket lover does, but especially when it's an Ashes year with all the history and tradition and uh, what you know and what you've read about and what you've seen that's gone before you. Uh, I still get excited every time, you know, there's a test match on uh, and, you know, up in Brisbane there, it'll be nice and quick and the English has been a little bit said. The Australians, well, they're quite not quite sure who they're going to pick. So there's plenty of speculation. There's plenty of questions still to be answered and uh, that's why I suppose we all love the game. Well, this Sheffield Shield round is probably the most watched in a long time. Have you been keeping an eye on the proceedings in in the respective Shield games? I've had a quick look. I saw some of the scores last night. I saw Smith got a few, and I think Hilton Cartwright got him out, so that'll be a feather in his cap. I think Peter Neville's 30-odd not out, or 32, so he's pressing his claims. Matthew Wade didn't do so well again with the bat, so... Um, I don't quite know where they're going to go with that selection, but yeah, I, I keep an eye on it. I saw Mitchell Stark got runs. Uh, Paddy Cummins is in there at the moment. So all the guys that you, you would assume are going to be in the test team, well, Stark and Cummins, obviously, are putting their hand up for New South Wales. Yeah, well, Stark, Stark, he gave the ball, uh, I think he just got bored out there, so he, he just tried to hit it out of the he, ground. He didn't muck around. Yeah. He went after them. Now, in regards to the keeper, let's just get this selection uh, under wraps straight away. Who would you go, in your opinion? Who would you have in the first test? Oh, I'd have Peter Neville. I, I probably would have had Peter Neville for the last 20 test matches, to be fair. Yes. I think he was horribly hard done by uh, when the selectors made a change. And what a point of reason that was, that's fine. But what they've done is sort of, you know, Peter Neville would have played 40 or 50 test matches by now, and he'd be the seasoned campaigner mm. in that test team. Uh, now they've really gone, he's played 20 matches. Matthew Wade sort of played 20, 25 matches. And we're not quite sure who's the right guy. Um, Peter Neville's he's obviously the best batsman in the country, wicketkeeper batsman, um, because he's getting the most runs. And if your Sheffield Shield form goes for anything, then that must be the answer. Um, he's definitely the best clubman in the country. I don't think there's any question about that. And I don't think anyone would argue with that. But uh, for me, it's, a, it's an easy selection. Whether they do, the only thing that will be an issue for anyone at Cricket Australia is his age. He's a little bit older. Um, and I know they want to go with some younger guys, but... Uh, for me, Peter Neville's the answer. Do you subscribe to that theory, Stu, about age kind of weighing against them in selection? As far as I'm concerned, age is just a number. And, and Haim, you've said that in your 30s, you're, you're at your peak for cricket. So Mentally, and yeah, well, physically. Men- mentally, but I don't know that I subscribe to that. What are your thoughts on the age theory, Stu? Uh, I, I don't like the age thing. Um, I would have never played test cricket if that was the case. I only played at 30. Yeah. Uh, Michael Hussey would have never played at 30. Uh, there was a lot of guys that made that. Adam Gilchrist, I think, was probably close to 30 when he made his debut, and look how he ended up. Mm, exactly. Um, so, you know, there's a... I don't like it. I, I know it happens, and I know no one really talks about it. And look, I can appreciate you just don't want a bunch of 35-year-olds in the team. I, I can appreciate that. Uh, but I don't think you can just have a bunch of 20-year-olds as well. And you've got to pick guys based on who's doing the best. Um, and then and then look at the team after that. And look, if you've got... And, and try and balance your team out age-wise, but... At the moment, I don't see anyone putting their hand up to take Peter Neville's spot, and to me, it's an easy decision. Can I ask you an interesting question? The involvement in selections of the captain, do you agree with it? Is it a good system? I actually do. I've always said that I always think the captain, given that he has the most control in the game, it's not like other sports where the manager, take 
football, yep. where the manager pretty much controls everything. The captain has the biggest say in the team. Uh, I think he should be part of the selection panel. Uh, I don't think the coach should be. Uh, I think I've always advocated for that. Now, people don't agree with me on that point, but I always think the captain should have a, a really big say. Does it potentially put him in a in some uncomfortable situations, though? Oh, it, it does, but, you know, if he wants to be captain of Australia, there's going to be different times where you're going to be put in those uncomfortable situations. Yep. Um, and that's why, you know, that, that's why that job or that position is held in such high esteem that people have a lot of respect for it and you have to make hard decisions. Uh, you know, sometimes that means telling some of your mates yeah. that, you know, you're not the right man for the job at the moment, but, you know, there's a chance for you if you go out and get runs and wickets. Well, Steve Smith's copped a bit of flack this week suggesting that the team is, a, is his mate's team. It's, it sounds like it's a little bit harsh, although we did see a little bit of that in the dropping of Ed Cowan for New South Wales. Smith said he put his hand up and said he's been involved. So I guess it's going on. Well, and, and again, so he should be. He's captain. He knows who he's got, who he wants to pick. Yep. Obviously, the Australian selectors have a little bit of a, a say in that as well, and Stephen's just come out and put his name to it. And, and I've got to, you've got to give him respect for that because he could have quite easily hid behind the selectors and said, you know what, ah, it's nothing to do with me, it's the selectors' job. But he's come out and said, well, no, we're looking. Uh, I think Daniel Hughes is a future Australian player, uh, and I want to see him play. And, you know, give him respect for coming out and, and being honest and upfront about it. People are never going to agree with it all the time, mm. but that's, life. that's That's what I suppose I said right at the start, that... That's why, we, that's why we're here talking about it, and that's why it sort of draws so much attention. Yeah, so the Sheffield Shield now disintegrated into um, a test trial, or are we actually trying to win Sheffield Shields? Well, that's a whole different story altogether, but you're right. I agree with well, your first comment. It's, it is a trial. The whole competition's now based on who's going to play for Australia. It isn't what it used to be. And all these people that, that say it's the toughest competition in the world and all that, well, it used to be. Uh, my opinion is it's it's not anymore. Yeah. Well, an interesting selection for Western Australia for this Shield match was Nathan Coulter-Nile, who was actually left out of the Western Australian Shield game and is playing for the WA Invitational Tour match against England. Is that something odd? In my mind, it just doesn't make sense. Well, you know, I suppose it goes to the previous point that it used to be about being, picking your best team to win the Sheffield Shield. Obviously, that's not the case anymore. And that, and that, yeah. that goes there in itself to prove the point that I'm not sure Cricket Australia... I know the players do, and I suppose I should uh, differentiate between the players and the administration. I know the players still believe that Sheffield Shield is the biggest thing they can play in from a state cricketer's point of view. Mm. They still love it. They're still very committed to it. But Cricket Australia, they see it, unfortunately, they see it as an expense, not a, uh, not a, mm. a, a, a competition. Now, did you happen to see um, Gavin Robertson's, I guess you'd call, almost call it a bit of a rant, but I think he had a lot of... No, it was a rant. It was a rant. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, lot of interesting points. You, you obviously saw it. What were your thoughts? Do you agree with him? Uh, I, I do in, in, in a sense that, yes, I do agree with him. Yep. But you know what? It's been the system for so long now. Yeah. There's no point, there's no point arguing about it anymore. Like whether I like it or not is irrelevant. I don't have control of it. Cricket Australia do. Um, and they're making the decisions. Uh, and they're making the decisions on basically what they see the future of cricket. Whether I agree or not, whether Gavin agrees, and, yep. you know, it's just... I think, I think it's been going on now for long enough that, you know, I think, I'm, I, personally, my first I'm just tired of talking about it. And you know what? It is the system. Yep. If the system and the hierarchy changes, well, well that's great. But, yeah, it, it, nothing's going to change in the short term, I wouldn't have thought. Well, it's well known that the uh, Aussie number six spot is the most open and up for grabs. In your mind, Stu, has anyone put their hand up enough yet to take that spot? <laughs> um, probably the short answer is no. That's probably mm. why we're talking about it. Um, oh, it. It needs to be a batsman, and if he can bowl a bit, so be it. Um, mm. The Australian cricket team was blessed for a lot of years because they had mm. McGrath uh, and Warren that could bowl lots and lots of overs. Mm. Um, when they left, um, there was no immediate replacement, so we basically went back to four bowlers, six batsmen, and a wicketkeeper. Um, the problem is that sixth batter they kept picking as the all-rounder that could bowl a bit probably wasn't up to it in, a bat in the batting sense. Um, they've got to find the best six batsman, and hopefully he can bowl a bit. I think that's the answer to it. Personally, if it was me, I would have picked Moses Enriquez three years ago and said, mate, you guys going to play for the next three years. Mm. Um, 
but you know, whether it be injury or selections or you know, picking him to go to India but not picking him in Australia, mm. he seems to be a very good subcontinental player for some reason, but not an Australian player. Um, I don't know, but he's the obvious solution for me. I think Hilton Cartwright's a good player, probably not ready yet, um, and a few other guys. But yeah, that would be my selection. Mm. Well, we're coming up against England, and it's fair to say that they haven't had the best preparations so far with the, the Stokes incident and now injury to Moe Marley and Steve Finn. Did Australia rest a little easier going into the series, given that preparation? Uh, well, I, look, I wouldn't have thought so. I would have thought they'd be as ready as they, they need to be. They, they'd be um, they'd be firing all series. They won't, certainly won't be taking um, England lightly. Mm. I would have thought Trevor Bayless would be doing whatever. He's a very good coach, and mm. I've known Trevor for a long period of time. Um, He'll be uh, doing everything in his power to make sure that uh, they're 100% ready for the tournament ahead. Uh, but Australia, they shouldn't take England lightly, that's for sure. England are far too good for that. Right, you're going to be on record here, Stewie, no pressure, but what will be your <laughs> prediction for the Ashes series? Uh, Australia will win. Um, I, I worry about Australia in the pink ball test because Anderson is obviously a very good swing bowler. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to say 3-1. And uh, there'll be a washout there somewhere, probably in Melbourne. That's what happens. Down there. <laughs> Don't say that. I'm going down there for that one. No, uh, the first three days you'll have a good time down there. I'm not saying you won't have a good time. I'm just saying it's usually a bit of rain or something happens down well, there. She doesn't. She doesn't drink much, so. Um, as you mentioned, Stu. <laughs> Uh, England are very good at that swinging ball. And all the wickets we've seen so far in Shield matches have been a bit of green tops. Do you think mm. that that's a coincidence, given who we're playing this summer? Oh, no, I would have thought the, I would have thought the Adelaide Test match, they were worried about the ball deteriorating, so they would have left some grass on it, and Mitchell Stark destroyed them. Um, the Hurstville Oval lost a very, you know, a lovely ground and all the rest of it, and... Um, it's not a first-class ground, but it's, you know, with the bike track and stuff like that. And whilst the wicket can be good, uh, they've obviously left a little bit of grass on it just because it's got to stand up to four days' worth of cricket. So um, I'd imagine the wickets, the test match wickets are usually pretty flat and they're usually pretty good to bat on. Mm. Yes, I was actually down at, um, I worked down at Hurstville Oval in the canteen there. I was down there on the Friday afternoon just uh, having a look at the pitch and... Uh, she was very green, and the curator did say to me, he said, we need to last, need, need to last four days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it will. It'll certainly, um, it'll certainly stand up to it. If they leave a little bit of grass, leave a bit of moisture in it, but obviously with the, the bigger international grounds around the country, uh, they don't have to worry about that, that effect as much. Now, Stu, talking a little bit about your career, you played in seven Ashes games. Can you explain a little bit how they, they differ from other tests? Well, I think they differ in the historical sense because you know what's gone before you. So whether you actually feel the added pressure, I think in hindsight it's very easy to look at it and think, wow. But at the time you're involved, you know, but, you know, it's Australia v England. It's, you know, you think of Bodyline, you think of Bradman, you think of those sort of people that have run around and played cricket in these series before, you know, whether it be Douglas Jardine and Harold Larwood. And, you know, I grew up watching, you know, the old Bodyline series with... Um, with Gary Sweet, and you know that—that's my memories of cricket growing up. So, you know, to actually get the opportunity to play in one was like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this type of stuff. Mm. So, I think they all feel that, and you know, whether it be the first one, it's still a, an Ashes Test match, and it's like, you know, I, I can't believe I'm actually sitting here in this change room, uh, about to go out, and they sing the national anthems. Um, it, it's just such a—it's such a huge, huge occasion. Well, in 2005-06, you played in the Aussie team that defeated England 5-zip. Uh, what's the level of effort and desire that, that the Australians are going to need to achieve like a dominant win like that again? Oh, everything. They're going to need everything go right for them uh, and win a few tosses. I think that always helps. Uh, they're going to have to make sure that um, if the wickets change, so if you get down to maybe Adelaide where it's a bit, no, sorry, not Adelaide, but Perth where it's a bit more bouncy and quicker, they, they bowl well there. They need to be able to adapt to all conditions. Um, and and that will, it will vary from Brisbane to Melbourne to, to Adelaide, the pink ball test. So, um, yeah, there's a little bit of luck that goes into that as well. But what they are, they need to be completely committed. And I don't think there's any question of that with the Australians. They, they prepare well. Darren Lehman will have them, you know, fighting fit and ready. Mm. Um, you know, if they get a little bit of luck on their side, you know, I think it, I think it's certainly possible. Without, uh, you know, and I said three one before, but I certainly think if things go their way, it could easily be five nil. Have you got a favourite Ashes moment? Um, oh, look, I, I, I was lucky enough. I played in Shane Warne's last game where he got his seven hundredth wicket, mm. um, 
and he was in the middle of the MCG and he bowled Andrew Strauss through the gate and it was that loud and, it, and the place was, was going off that much that I, for those, those memories and that, that noise, I'll never forget that for as long as I live. And if you, if you think about it and you want to compare it to something, when, when they walk out in a grand final and the crowds erupt or when the State of Origin game where they walk onto the mm. ground and the crowd just goes wild, that was the atmosphere for about eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, this won't surprise you, but I'm going to go a little bit off topic here. Stu, mm. I don't know whether a lot of people know, but you're a very qualified young man. You've moved into the, the world of rugby league uh, work-wise. Can you give us a little bit of a, an understanding as to what you're currently doing? So I work at New South Wales Rugby League. So uh, my title is Hamish, as you know, the Chief Operating Officer at New South Wales Rugby League. Yep. Um, and we run everything from the state of origin team right through to the junior development team so down at you know when you see little johnny playing on saturday they're, they're all competitions that run within our jurisdiction so um that's my basically i so i sit in sort of if you want a hierarchy at two ic to that whole organization yeah. um and at the moment my my particular we're building a big center of excellence out there which is a high performance facility with a field and a training facility and a gym and all that type of stuff so i get to sit there with buckets of money and spend it on this great big facility so and, and um, you and you get to tell us who get, who the new new south wales coach is yeah, <laughs> right I'm here gonna, right now breaking that. news i was gonna i was gonna reveal that that was i'll tell you who it won't be okay go on then i don't i don't think it will be Shane Flanagan. There you go. Okay, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> or Laurie Daly. <laughs> or, Paul Mag- or Paul McGregor, because I know you're a Dragons fan. Or I don't think it'll be Dean Pay either. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they're going to they're pick, pick someone that's uh, that's not a coach somewhere else. That was okay. a very good leave. Yeah. Yes, that was shoulders, arms, and everything. Can I ask you a question? Can, is, does Hamish talk about his cricket a lot? <laughs> oh, a little bit. Occasionally. He doesn't, he doesn't brag what, a lot. He tells us funny stories. What does he say about his cricket? Well, not a great deal. He said he was a bit of a spinner, and that's about it, really. That's all I know. Nah. You know what Hamish's, Hamish's job in the team was? You know what it was? Carry the drinks? Stand at mid-off and, shot. Stand at mid-off and shine the ball for someone else to bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's happened to his head now. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. <laughs> Hamish is actually a very good coach, and I, I, even, I even trust him to coach my little bloke, so that's how much I like Hamish. Oh. Wow. He is very well thought of in the area. Did you guys ever play? Cash, cash for comments. <laughs> did, did you guys ever play against each other in grade? Uh, I don't. Uh, we Stewie was the age group below me right. in juniors and stuff like that, but I don't think we came across each other because while Stuart was busy, lot, I didn't play a lot of second grade. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say while Stuart was busy oh. taking test wickets, I was probably. <laughs> Captaining third grade or something like did. that. Yeah. I reckon we did play somewhere. We did. We would have played against one another a couple of times somewhere down. Whether it be like age, like PGs or something like that. Yeah, it means something like. That. Keep somewhere. in mind, I killed a few brain cells in my playing days, so that's probably why I can't remember. <laughs> I think everyone did that when they played PGs, didn't they? I think that was the point of the game. Yeah. It was who could play the most uh, intoxicated there at one stage. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, things have changed a little bit. I, I have to say that. I hope, I hope <laughs> they have. I really hope they have. I, I love the sledging anyway. that's going on here. Are you uh, a, this, this is an atypical St. George versus Sutherland type situation well, I was about we have to going say, on. Stu, uh, I, I first cut my teeth at Sutherland Women's Cricket Club as well, so we've got something in common oh, up against the St. George boys. There you go. Uh, now yeah, you're no, we always hated them, but they had some good players back in the day. And Not bad. I remember having to play. One of my first games was against a guy called Phil Alley, who was, I think, 11 foot tall. Yep. Yeah. Um, and he scared the living hell out of me. And Brad McNamara and Jeff Millick and all these guys that played for New South Wales. And I was like a kid coming through thinking, this is all too hard. I, I can't be doing this sort of stuff. <laughs> I remember being that scared. But how uh, good was... Back in the day. How good was grade cricket in those days? The, the level of competition and the players that were playing... Well, I think it goes a bit to the points that we talked about earlier, that to actually get into the New South Wales team, no matter how old you were, you had to perform in grade cricket, Mm -hmm. and then you had to go and perform in second eleven cricket, and if you did all that, you ended up in the state team, and you know what we talked about earlier is, well, if you just sort of 20, 19, 20 and show a bit of potential, you end up playing shield cricket now, Um, and guys were prepared to hang around, and they knew there was an opportunity, if they did well, to, to play for New South Wales at 27 or 28. Yeah. Um, nowadays, it doesn't sort of happen that way because as soon as you, you get to 25 and you haven't made it, or you played but you're not playing anymore, you, you tend to go and say, "Oh well, I'll go and do something else now." And you know, it's a, it's a big commitment in your life. Mm. Um, 
but the days you talked about it, guys, like, we just played great cricket because it was fun. And, look, people are a lot more time poor. There's a whole heap of reasons, I think, that go into this. People have obviously got a lot on now, and there is a commitment to training and things like that. But, you know, it was more fun. It, it was different back then. It was a lot more fun. There was a lot more camaraderie, I think, just from a club point of view. Mm. You know, and, and people like Phil Alley and Jeff Milliken and would come back to the clubhouse and talk to the young guys. Uh, it's just the world's changed, I think. So yep. you know, I'm not being critical of it. It's just the world's changed. Yep. Do you still have much to do with the Sutherland boys, Stu? I go up occasionally and watch. I was up there yesterday. I went up and watched. The Doug Bollinger was bowling, so I went up to see what he's still throwing down these days. And, <laughs> um, yeah, he uh, he was still steaming in, and I looked at him and I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm still enjoying it. And I said, why? Um, <laughs> and sort of... He, uh, you know, I went up and watched that. So, you know, they, they beat, I think, some Fairfield yesterday. And I think Austin Wall got a few runs, which was good yeah. to see. Stephen Young bloke. Very good. Very the next good. generation coming yes. through. I've seen him play a couple of games at Hurstville Oval, Austin, at, and he hasn't he hasn't done well. At, uh, at I'm, I'm waiting for the I'm waiting yeah, for the beginnings. You find his feet very well, soon. Got, don't worry I about think that. He got he got 62 under pressure yesterday, and I know mm. that's not 162, but mm. they ended up winning the game. So, yeah, from what I saw, he batted really well, and he looks like a he, he reminds me of his old actually. Uh, it's actually very interesting looking at him, just wandering around in the field because oh, yeah. he's got all the Stephen mannerisms, and if he's half as good, he's going to be a fair player. Yeah, exactly. It certainly does look like him yeah, out in the field here. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Stuart, we thank you very much for your time this morning. We will write down your three-one prediction and see if you <laughs> match up to it. No worries at all. Happy to help any time, and uh, don't let Hamish talk to you about too much about his cricket because it's all lies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll keep that in mind, Stu. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we'll talk again soon. Good on you guys, too. All the best, mate. That was Stuart Clark. Bit of sledging there for you, hey? Yeah, it's good. Good. <coughs> I get to to enjoy a little bit of that sort of stuff every Tuesday when uh, when we catch up. And uh, look, he's a young boy. He's, he's not too bad. He's uh, is he a bowler like his old man? Yeah, look, I think he's going to be a good all-rounder, actually. Right. I, I think he's going to be a better batsman than his old man. <laughs> Hopefully he's in the car listening because... Uh, <laughs> No, nah, it's good. Great family, and uh, no, thanks, they're, thanks they're out of the on. car. Couldn't you hear all that in the hear the uh, indicator? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then the reversing sensor, and then I, I swear I could hear the the, the door cricket, shut, the door shut, and the cricket bag being rolled along. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, whilst you were busy listening to that, I was busy listening to Stuart. Oh, I'm multitasking. Yeah, I know, but I can't. <laughs> Stewie and I can't do that because we're male. Yeah, yeah. She she can multitask. Yeah. yeah. But Stuart Clark, 24 test matches, 94 wickets at an average of 23.86. His best figures were 5 for 32 in an innings against the West Indies in 2008. As I said, he's played seven Ashes tests against England and was part of the 5-0 whitewash of 2006-07. Now, they're great numbers, and he mentioned that he only started playing test cricket after he'd turned 30. 30. Now... That's got to be in part due to the fact that the Australian team was unbelievably strong. Well, in those he, days, he stepped in when Glenn McGrath had to step away for family reasons. Mm, just imagine if he'd played cricket earlier, mm. what his numbers would have been like. Well, he's got the third best match figures for Australia on debut. When he debuted in 2006 against South Africa, he picked up five for 55 and four for 34. Mm. Not, a, not, not a bad debut, is it? Speaking of nicknames... Safraz, after the mm. we should have asked him about Safraz, Safraz Nawaz. Nawaz, yeah. He hates it apparently. <laughs> I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised knowing. I Stewie. was doing a little bit of research last night, and it was given to him by Mark War. There's yep. no surprise there. Yep. I swear, people just stand at slip. This is what slip fielders do. They just stand at slip and yep. think about how they can aggravate their teammates. So <laughs> <laughs> that anyway, so he named him Safraz after the bowler because they look similar. And apparently Stu protested and thou doth protest too much and you oh, keep it. Exactly. That's the last thing you want to do with a nickname is say that you don't or admit that you don't like it because It'll that's just guaranteeing stick. that it will stick. Yes, that was one of the things I loved about cricket, standing out in the field. And we used to sledge each other more than we sledge the other team. I think that's one of the reasons why you play. It's yeah. the way it should be. Oh, it's our, that's how that's, our team works. That's the, great, sure. that's the great Australian way, isn't it? Yeah. Sledge your mates. Yeah. 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 In a, in a way that's, you know, always going to be understood and taken mm. um, the right way. I found what he was saying about grade cricket and, and the way it's changed <coughs> quite interesting because I was actually thinking, and we were talking a little bit about that in the women's game. Mm. Uh, yesterday, actually, we were, I was thinking through it. I muse on a lot of things a lot of time and, and the, the state of women's cricket is one of them. 
And although, you know, it's bright and shiny at the top, I do worry about the grassroots. Mm. So it was quite interesting to hear that the men are quite similar. And yeah, well, I'll tell you what, it's all sports at the moment. People are just so time poor. Golf is starting to, to fall apart. Yeah. Um, it's too yeah. many options. Well, yeah. I, I can tell you what the issue with grade cricket is, is that... Uh, if you're living in Sydney and you're paying off a mortgage, you've hit that age where you're mid twenties to thirty. How can you, how can you dedicate a full day mm. in the seven days that you have in the week to playing cricket? Mm. And so the game and grade cricket itself is losing that those guys at that age bracket who are like we said coming into their best cricket, mm. but they're not hanging around the game much mm. anymore they're not mm. they're playing a bit of first grade and then they're right that's it yeah. they're not coming back and playing yeah. it's, it's, second yeah. third and fourth grade there's, there's not the money yeah in or they actually cost them cost them to play yeah in uh, first grade well exactly so yeah. there there are numbers that are the missing because of that but more importantly there's your experienced campaigner yep. who yep. are guiding the next generation of cricketers right. into becoming um great cricketers themselves and if i look back to my own cricket as uh, you know we I think to myself, uh, the only reason why I had any clue or any sort of half-decent ideas about the game itself and able to coach even now is because of the mentors I had at St. George and my captains. Mm. And they were hanging around and playing. Yep, and that was one of the points we came up with yesterday about the women's game. People don't come back into the game mm. once they retire. Like, like they don't hang around, or you know, they f- they finish their rep duties and that's it for cricket. They close the door and they don't yeah. come back and um, you know coach or, or hang around the club to breed that club culture that we once had. It kind of gets lost yeah. as they walk out the door, yeah. and it's missing. And it's a it's a hard fit because it's just the way Sydney is, you know, mm. with everyone being in a rush and, and time poor, as you say, mm. it's a hard sport because it does go, for, and that's one of the, the redeeming features of the game for me is that <laughs> it, it does take a lot of time and it's a great yeah. battle in that respect, but it's it's tough. It's a tough sport to play in Sydney. It's a tough sport and the, the attrition rate, mm. oh, it's tough. You know, if I look at the girls and there's two critical points for when we lose players, it's around the 17, 18 year age mark where they discover there's extra stuff in life. They get cars, they, they find boys, that sort of stuff, you know. And so, yeah, the whole weekend playing cricket's not yep. really ideal. There's a party that I could be missing out on. Right. So they, they walk away from cricket. Well, I went through that. I stopped playing cricket at yeah. the age of 17 and didn't come back to grade cricket until I was 21. Four years of party. Nothing. Well, unless unless someone's earmarked at a very early age and they're in the state rep teams yeah. and the squads and things like that, they know they're going to have a bit of a future there, then they'll stick through that period. But mm. then we also get to the period where, you know, the mid-20s, early 30s, where people are getting married, the women go off and have babies. It's very rare to see one of them come back after yep. or stay in the game after they've had kids or that they've gotten married. So it's really tricky. And and in my my team, I look around and we've had two girls just, just get married and one's just having about to have a second baby this week. And we are so rare that those girls have stuck with cricket. Mm. Well, here's an interesting one, and I call it uh, parental programming, mm. where, you know, these days, you know, if a kid loves cricket, all right, we've got to get him into coaching, we've got to you know, get him up the levels and he's got to try and achieve this, he's got to make this rep team and stuff like that. And if it doesn't work out, all of a sudden the kid feels like a failure. He's not yeah. actually playing for the enjoyment of it. Yeah. He's playing to try and make or meet his parents' expectations. Yeah. So all of a sudden he's 22 years old, he's not playing first grade, I'm going to quit. Mm. And that's another problem we're, we're seeing. Well, we love our cricket and we want to see it flourish. Well, folks, that's just about a wrap from us. Been a very enjoyable sports wrap, actually. (laughs) It is the sports wrap, the Sunday sports wrap, and you've been listening to it. Uh, It's been a really enjoyable show. It's gone quick. They say time flies when you're having fun, and it's been an absolute blast to talk through a lot of the different sports this morning. As always, you can find us on Facebook. Say g'day to us, give us a like, have a whinge at us if you don't like something we've done. You can find all our shows and our interviews on Wooshka. The links were also through our Facebook page. So if you've got nothing else to do today in the rain, get on there and have a listen to some of our shows. And we will be back next week with another show. So thank you so much for listening. We hope you have an enjoyable Sunday. Stay dry and we will catch you same time, same place, same happy face next weekend. See you later. Bye. Bye.